Good summer. Good. Well, we just uh, we got uh, two or three weeks where we're just doing family services. So I'm going to actually move that side because I tend to walk right across the screen. Um, we get just a few family services where we do tend to keep everybody in uh, over the summer season just to give our kids workers uh, a little bit of a break. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who serves uh, our children. Um, do you know, most of us don't see the reality of what it means to lead kids work and the hard work that has to go in the background of preparing lessons and then serving on Sundays and so on. I just want to thank everyone here uh, who's in, involved in, in kids work. Right. <laughs> Rachel's very enthusiastic. She's one of our kids workers. <laughs> um, but uh, no, well done to everyone. So we're going to, everybody's going to be in today, uh, which means that we're going to uh, dip back into something we haven't done for uh, a little while. If you've been around our church, we, we had a little season of these sort of services and we haven't done one for for a while. And we're going to look at the whole story of Jericho. Now, often I find, um, uh, certainly when I've been out with the Inferno group, which is the, the kids that are mainly at New Day, is talking to them about understanding where stories in the Bible happen and why they were happening at that particular point. And I think lots of us probably, maybe some of us don't, but lots of us probably have heard of different stories. And we think, well, actually, it's a story in itself, which it is, but also it's in the big story of God's redemptive power for human mankind, for us. And so it's always good to know where this particular story, the story of Jericho, which uh, is a fabulous story, where it comes in the big story. Now, anybody want to have a stab? Have a stab. Yes, we're going to have a few stabs, actually. You'll see in the story there's a, a bit of stabbing going on. Uh, where it comes in the big story. And actually, I'm just going to forewarn you that um, I've got four points for us this morning, of which you are going to bring. Okay. All right, so I'm just preparing you that I am not going to bring, that you're going to bring some illustration and some examples to the four points that I feel uh, that we need to look at. Big story of God. Very, very, very quickly, God creates the world. Adam and Eve, that story. Sin comes into the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience. Along come the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, of one which we've probably heard of is Joseph, very good, uh, and his multicolored dream coat. Joseph, through his story, ends up in Egypt. God's people eventually come down to Joseph, and they're in Egypt for about 400 years. And eventually, another man comes on the scene. Moses, very good, doing well. Moses is appointed by God to release God's people from slavery. And so he leads God's people out of Egypt and across the Red, Dead Sea, Red Sea, across the Red Sea. Then they have, as soon as they've gone across the Red Sea, do you remember what they start to do? Grumble, moan, absolutely. Yeah, Elaine's right there. She likes a bit of grumbling and moaning. <laughs> So they, they grumble and moan, and basically God says, because you have 
disobeyed me in moaning and complaining that you'd actually rather be back in slavery. You're going to be wandering around for 40 years in the desert before you're allowed to go into the promised land. Okay, here we come into the story of Jericho. So God's people are about to take the promised land. And this is a story of the first city that they encounter in going into the thing that God had already promised to them. All right. So we need to, as people, know that as God promises things to us, he's not a mean God who will suddenly take things away. As he speaks to us, we have to raise in faith to believe what he has said will come to pass. And this is the great story of Jericho. Now, for some of you, we've not quite seen it portrayed in this way. For others, uh, you'll be a little bit more familiar. Let's just turn this on. Hopefully this will all work. So here's a little picture of what they believe Jericho used to look like. Um, big city, lots of big walls. God's promise to them, you're going to take Jericho. You're going to take Jericho, but you're not going to do it in a, a method and a means that perhaps seems the most obvious. So let's have a little look at the story of Jericho. And I have a few friends who are going to help me. Now, Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one, sorry, no one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in the front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing their trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. Now, just let's just pause there. If you'd heard that plan, how confident would you be that this sounds like a sensible idea? I, you know, I think I would have sort of been questioning, uh, God, are you sure, God? It doesn't say, you know, don't we need a few cannons and, you know, big poles to bash down the walls? But no, this is God's plan for them. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry the trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. And when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, uh, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All of this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the people, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until I tell you to shout. And then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. And then the people returned to camp 
and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and they returned to camp. They did this for six days. How very unusual, quite. How very polite. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded and the sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, are, and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring out your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble upon it. All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted and at the sound of the trumpet when the people gave a loud shout. Yah, ah, rah! <laughs> Something like that. The wall collapsed. And so every man charged straight in and they took the city. Okay, now, if you are a little bit squeamish, even though it might be Lego, prepare yourselves. They then, uh, so uh, where we're up to. So the men charged in and took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord, destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. Men and women and the young and the old, the cattle, the sheep. Meh. Poor little, poor little, oh, we got a little sheepy today. The donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying <laughs> in and brought out Rahab, her father and her mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and they put them in a, into a place outside the camp of Israel. They then burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent in as spies to Jericho. And she now lives among the Israelites to this day. And at the time Joshua pronounced this solemn oath, cursed before the Lord is the man who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, will he lay its foundations? At the cost of its youngest, will he set up the gates? 
And so the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. Extraordinary story of incredible faith and trust in God on what seemed like the impossible task. Now, where can we apply that to our lives? What does the, if you like, as I've called it here, the obstacle of Jericho look like for you and me? How many of us have been called to walk around cities seven times, blowing trumpets, blasting car horns, uh, asking for the walls to fall down because God's promised? Well, I don't think any of us have got that story, but there are obstacles in our own lives that actually there are principles, I believe, in the story of Jericho that God wants us to hold on to. And your stories are going to be the stories that encourage each of us in our own obstacles, the own things that we're praying for God to move in, the own things that we're looking for him to do. So what I want to do, what I'm hoping is going to happen, or otherwise we'll be going home very quickly, is under each point, I'd love just one or two people to say, do you know what, this has been my experience in this area. I've seen God do this because as I hear stories, I'm sure as you hear stories of people's, even Eileen's story of Landadna, and we know exactly because we've been there. Uh, we can just picture that, that scene. Even those moments where it's just a simple faith. Actually, well, we believe this is what you said and we've seen breakthrough. I, I'd love just one or two under each point just to come up and say, Junior, in my life, I've seen this. Are you up for that? Okay. Two of us are up for it. So what is the first thing? There are first lessons that we can see in the story of Jericho. Well, the first thing is that God's people were a praying people. And we don't directly see right in the story that I've read out to you them praying, but God's people were a praying people. And that, that we see right through the stories, through Old and New Testament, of people who prayed. People who committed themselves to seeing God do extraordinary things. Even um, as we referred to the story leading up into Jericho of them going across the Red Sea and praying that actually, how are we going to get across? And Moses' faith prayer opened a way for them to escape. We've had a look a little bit as we've been going through Philippines over these last few months of, of, of what happened at the birth of the church in Philippi when, when Peter was in jail and they prayed. And suddenly doors open, prison doors open. When we have an obstacle, whether it be a corporate obstacle as a church, whether it's things that we're praying into, or whether it's something individually, do you know what? I just need to see God move in this situation of life. Often those breakthroughs happen when we encircle the problem with prayer. What encouragements? can you bring two two minutes that's all i'm nothing more than that of where you've seen do you know this was happening in my life and i know we prayed about it i prayed about it the church prayed about it and we saw breakthrough come anybody willing just to peter come, come on up come on okay with that done thank you we had three adopted children or three children granted by god it was margaret's brother they died in Zimbabwe with his wife. 
and we tried to get visas for them to come across to England because they were 10, 12, and 14. And I said, we applied for visas. We could not get visas. The government said, no, 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 no. We started praying. Our church in Daventry prayed. The church in South Africa prayed. The church prayed. Margaret phoned and said, I want to speak to the commissioner. You can't. I want to speak to the commissioner. Okay, here. So she explained what happened and said, God is praying for these children to come. Two days later, they got the visa. A week later, they're in England. Hallelujah. Brilliant. Great. Excellent. Wonderful. Anybody, anybody else? doesn't have to be big and dramatic. It can be small and simple. Just with Jenny, come on then. Uh, my, uh, a couple of years ago, prior to having my hip replacement, I was in such a lot of pain and I, I wasn't sure where to turn to. Um, people in the church here praying for me, but, um, relatives praying for me. And I, it was such a big operation and I was quite frightened of it. But um, prior to having that, I was day before I was praying about it, um, you, you go in to have your operation full of pain and you wake up next morning and it's virtually gone. And it's just, in a way, like a miracle. And um, for the rest of that time, I've had a lot of help from people from church here at Mills and um, come to visit me and that. Um, and the Lord helped me to... Um, have to practice with my crutches and eventually about six weeks I've done to one crutch, eight weeks, none at all. And I've got no pain whatsoever. I can dance, I can do all sorts of things that I've never been able to do for a long time. So, yes. Brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you, Jenny. Excellent. Excellent. Was, was another hand that, Michelle, come on. We've got lots more opportunities. It's quite a simple one, quite light-hearted. Um, so I work, some of you might know, in a hydrotherapy pool, which is heated to 33 degrees, and the temperature in the working environment is 34 degrees. So as you can imagine at the moment, it's quite quiet. Because um, <laughs> people don't want to come in from the heat into more heat. Um, but I kind of felt a bit bad for the business and I think I think I prayed about it that God would bless the business and um I was joking around with the guy at work yesterday and he was saying what should we put on Facebook to advertise and we were sort of saying oh yeah come and sweat off those extra pounds that you might have gained on but um someone overheard us and came and said oh um does the money from your because they sell towels and things and they said oh does the money from the sales of the towels go to your business and um we were just like yeah yeah and he said oh right well um <laughs> this i've been going down to the slot machines and um just so happens that i won 1500 pounds so i'll take uh three of those towels which were quite expensive and they covered the cost of what like the normal session would have been if if all the people that normally came had had arrived um so we had we had empty sessions but all the money got bought in through the sales of these three towels <laughs> so it was good <laughs> brilliant can't see because of the light. <laughs> yeah, we've been, um, there's a young couple that um, was known to us, but uh, just spending a lot of time with them. And um, 
and don't know and love the Lord particularly. And I've been praying for a long time. So, you know, God breaks in over time, doesn't he? Sometimes the prayers aren't always answered really quickly. Um, but I've been praying that God would uh, wake this man's spirit so that he could become spiritually alive one day, get to know Jesus. And that as a sign of that, that he would start to dream. And he has never dreamt, particularly in his life, he's a young man that just goes to sleep uh, and doesn't particularly dream. And we had a meal with them last week, had a meal with them last week. And over the conversation over dinner, he said, can I just talk to you? He said, something really weird's happened this week. I had a dream. <laughs> I had a dream about one of the young boys that I teach who's mute doesn't really speak and I dreamt that he could speak to me and he spoke to me yeah. and it just opened up the conversation around prayer and God answering prayer and would it be all right if perhaps we translated that dream into a prayer so keep on praying brilliant brilliant wonderful <laughs> excellent great great examples I don't know working in a hydrotherapy pool at 34 degrees sounds quite attractive I, I like to do that every day <laughs> right okay so they they were praying people secondly uh have, have a little guess what do you think the second thing that we see the israelites um doing worshiping yeah that's good enough that's good enough i'll take that they were a people of praise they were a people of praise whereas as they went into battle they went with the mindset of worship, if you like, as Elaine said, worship and praise. And, and often I think when, when you're going through battles, like this is my experience, when you're going through tough seasons, no, you, my indicator is I find it really hard to worship. Is that similar? Is that, you know, when it's really tough, it's trying to get your heart around the tough situation and actually expressions of worship <laughs> should be in all circumstances, at all times, at all places. We should always be worshippers. But I know my spirit that when I'm down and I'm finding life hard, that actually is my spirit of worship is, is a hard thing to do. And we've got to keep pressing into being a worshipping people. Our true test of our trust in God, I've written here, is are we always worshippers? I want you just to think about times when you've gone through tough seasons and yet you've continued to worship through those. Just have a little think about those. Habakkuk, as you will probably know, um, one of the prophets in the uh, Old Testament, uh, was in a place where he was looking for God to move and couldn't see it happening. And yet his heart, through these verses which you've would have heard before, it's as though the fig tree doesn't bud. Though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, everything around Habakkuk was not going well. The fields produce no food. There are no sheep in the pen. There are no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. No matter what the difficulty, we need to be a worshipping people. We love to worship. We love to connect in worship. And I think it's how God moves us to get to know him more as we worship him despite our circumstances. Anybody got some worshipping breakthrough testimonies? Don't have to be big song. Yes, go on. 
When we were living in Birmingham and going to the Assemblies of God Church there, there was a lady, well, she's still there, called Sylvia. And she really taught us something about this because whatever you told her, I mean, if I'd gone to her and said, I've broken my ankle, she said, oh, praise God. Lovely, lovely. And at first you think, well, she hasn't listened to me. She hasn't heard what I said. But she really took to heart, um, in all circumstances, gives thanks to God. So if something bad happened, she thanked God for it, believing that it was in his purpose. And it's difficult, but Mike and I have tried to take that on mm. board. Um, so thank you, God, for the broken ankle. Yeah. And we praise you for Mike's mum being ill. We know that you're going to work something through that. And we praise you, Lord. Amen. Brilliant. Brilliant, Mary. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of folk that are regulars here will know this, so apologies for repeating, but for anybody who's visiting us today, very welcome. Um, sadly, six months ago, um, my wife passed away. Um, and that was after 18-month battle with lymphoma, cancer. And... A lot of things got stripped away from me, um, but one of the things that sustained me through all of that time was worship. Mm. I am a worshipper. <laughs> it's been my life since I gave my heart to Christ back in 1972, and um, I've been a musician all that time. But I know that I know that I know that worship opens my heart and my spirit to God and enables God to pour in whatever I need in those moments. And it's been tough been hard but i've kept going and i found too the spiritual gifts and particularly tongues has been such a strength uh, and i still even now i go out walking the walk that i used to walk with the dog who died 18 months ago um and i pray in tongues most of that time as i'm walking around i don't know what i'm praying but i know i'm praying mysteries to god and i know that god is strengthening me through that yeah. And so I commend worship, I commend moving in the spirit to you. It is a place where we can just lose ourselves in God. And God came right in, in the midst of that funeral. Right in with us there, and we knew he was there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, brilliant, Mike, thank you. It's so true, I think, I think the danger is when we're going through tough times, the last place sometimes we want to, oh, I really want to go to church don't want to be amongst God's people. Uh, actually, that's the very place we need to be. It's too easy to run. It's too easy to hide. It's too easy to go somewhere else. And uh, even with the lovely weather we're having and think, actually, I'd be better off on the beach this morning. And now uh, we need to get into the presence of God. And as, as he comes, as he meets with us, uh, he will encourage us and uh, uh, sympathize and empathize and comfort us in our challenges as we worship him okay so we've got a praying people we've got a praising people any guesses what our third circle might be trust it's close it's close not quite the word i've got anybody else along those brilliant faith very good trust faith brilliant i had a faith in god that he was going to do something that they in themselves couldn't do. It was a faith that God had spoken, and therefore if he'd spoken, they just had to have the faith. And so just had to have the faith. It was incredible faith to believe that this crazy plan of walking around walls and blowing trumpets and shouting somehow would have had an effect. 
and taking a city. And yet they were a people who had faith to believe it. No real organization in terms of army, no real weapons at their disposal. But with obedience and faith, they saw the walls come down. In the Hebrews, uh, in, in the New Testament, where the Hebrew writer talks about heroes of faith in chapter 11, he talks about these people. He says this, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell, not, not by clever army tactics, not by strong power, but by faith, the walls fell down after the people had marched around them for seven days. They were, they were extolled for their faith. And we want to be a faith people that when we have obstacles, it's the faith that brings us through, not our hard work. How many unsolvable problems have you had in your walk with God that you perceived as unsolvable and yet God came through? One of ours uh, was when we moved here to Weymouth, uh, firstly, and we were part of the team that helped plant the church here in Weymouth. And one of our faith goals was we'd love to be here before the church started. And um, uh, it really was Catherine's faith more than my faith. But she, she said, I don't want to go around lots of houses. I don't want to look at, you know, hundreds of houses and all that sort of stuff. We really want to pray in faith that we see a house that we feel we can buy and it will be suitable for us. And so the only house that we ever looked at is the house that we're living in. We thought, we're well, just by faith, we're going to go and look at it. And I looked at it and thought, well, there's a lot of work there. Uh, Catherine looked at it and said, yes, it's great. Uh, and by faith, we, we prayed and we, we saw God come through. But even in that story, the house we were moving from, our boiler had broken down about six days before we were due to move house. And we're just like, oh, Lord, we don't need this right now. And we got somebody out to have a look at it. And they said, really, it's had it. And we said, what, is, what, is, what can we do? And we thought the only thing we can do is to pay for, for a new boiler. And so we paid for this new boiler to be installed. We had, I think, two days use of the brand new boiler before we moved house. And um, the chap who was our solicitor, he couldn't believe that we would do that. Um, it's just what I felt it was the right thing to do. And, and we bumped into him a little while ago and he said, are you still use your story uh, with other people, other clients of mine? It was actually by faith that we believe in God. We're trusting you that this move is right and that you're going to open the doors for us. When we have problems, we need faith. Any faith stories? Other faith stories that can encourage us? Ken, you're always a man of faith. Do you want me to come to you? You're all right. We've climbed up to the top of land, Dudno. You can come to the front. There we go. Yeah, following uh, Mike, I've been in the same situation as Mike. And uh, <clears throat> a month after losing my first wife, Audrey, uh, God spoke to me and said, within two years, something marvellous will happen. So I thought, yeah, well, fi fine. <laughs> and uh, a little way along the line, uh, there was a sale of um, men's suits, and uh, I just felt God prompt me and said, you're going to need one of those suits. So I bought it in faith. I had no use for it at the time. Also, God said to me, you're going to need a passport. I didn't have a passport at the time, and I had no inclination of going abroad. But again, I felt, well, God has said 
I need a passport. I'll believe him. And uh, so, yep, I did that. And uh, anyway, cut a long story short, as you know, I'm married to, to Eileen. And uh, yeah, within the two years, it, in fact, it was 18 months, Eileen turned up. It was a whirlwind uh, courtship, uh, <laughs> first, first date, and uh, we were engaged. Hey. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, um, and of course, I needed that soup there and then because we were then dining out. Uh, I needed to impress Eileen that I was a smart chap. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, we had a honeymoon in Switzerland and needed a passport for that. Uh, that's uh, one thing. Another time, uh, on a more spiritual note, uh, uh, the, uh, when we were at um, uh, Sussex and uh, part of uh, the coastlands, which is now New Frontiers, uh, we used to hire the Hove Town Hall once a month. Nigel Ring gave a, um, a, an appeal. We need money to, to buy a, a chap a, a, a motorbike out in India. And again, God prompted me. Uh, I'd got money in my wallet to buy petrol on the way home. Uh, my car was practically out of petrol, and I needed that to get to and from work. I was working in Hove at the time. Anyway, <laughs> again, I listened to God and uh, I poured my wallet into the uh, offering and uh, the car ran on air for that week. Yeah. <laughs> the petrol gauge never moved. Yeah, Brilliant. so there again. Brilliant. Right, so, Excellent. Uh, and I could go on and on. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Great, Ken. Well done. There we are. Eileen, you're a gift of faith. It's just it's nice seeing your expression at the back. Oh, Ken. Oh, don't. <laughs> Hello. Yes. Most of you here know that we have three children, all grown up now. Our youngest one, Ruth, who is 25 now, has um, autism and learning disabilities and um, mental health problems. Um, but just want to testify to the grace of God throughout her life, really, that God has always put her in the right place. Even when she was three and a half, it seemed impossible for her to get into the school, but God provided that place for her. And it seemed a bit unfair, really, because other people didn't get the place, but, you know, God had a, uh, had a plan for her. And all the way through when she got excluded from her school, um, God found another place that was even better. She was there for more than 10 years. And Throughout her life, she was excluded from her college, and that just seems such an awful time. But God provided the place within sort of within two weeks. There was a place that was perfect for her. Mm. And though she continues to suffer, and we continue to pray for her, just God has provided all the way through and has changed things. You know, has moved people's hearts in authority. Has has provided the the um the money or whatever it might be the funding for her to be there and we just testify to the grace and the faithfulness of god that we can't do anything for her but he's got her best interests at heart yeah brilliant well done excellent thank you okay we need to wrap up so um fourthly any guesses on our fourth one obedience no not well, yes, but no. <laughs> P 
Persever- oh, you're on form. Did you? Are you? Oh, you're looking at it. Sit in front of the computer screen. You're cheating. Ah. Uh, well, no brownie points for you. Perseverance. Perseverance. Encircling our concerns, our worries, our challenges. Actually, we need to be a persevering people. The success of Jericho was not achieved in two days. They were people of obedience and they continued to walk around the city before the walls came down. The Israelites didn't give up, saying, This is just too hard work. This is a long old walk every day and it's really hot and we've got a you know, lot to carry. They kept going. Too easy for us not to be a persevering people. We need to be a people that, you know, at the coalface, as it were, where things look sometimes pretty bleak, that we keep persevering, keep persevering, keep persevering. You've got any perseverance? You know what? You've just seen God faithfully be with you in something. Margaret, you're, you're shuffling with anticipation. There we go. Um, yes. Peter spoke about um, these children that they're grown up now and they've left home, but they came to stay with us. And they didn't get to us because they lived in Zimbabwe and they didn't get to us for seven months. And that was seven months of missing school, seven months of not doing anything, but living with a friend of my brother's. And we had to persevere over that seven months. Mm. And we couldn't do anything but rely on God because things kept going wrong. First, they couldn't find death certificates. Then they couldn't find this, that, and the next thing happened. And we had to persevere over, it was only seven months. When you think it could have been longer, but it was seven months before they got to us. They'd missed a whole year of school over here, but seven months over there. But it was, it was hard. And then we had to find schools for them, and we were told they couldn't get into school, and we did get them into school. And before school started as well. But we had to persevere and carry on with God until it just happened. And like Peter said, within two days, they, they got their visas and they were here. So mm. there we go. Wonderful. And they're living here and they're British citizens. So Wonderful. Great. Excellent. Thank you. I think I'd be good. To, I mean, it's just um, I wasn't even anticipating um, some stories from Zimbabwe. But uh, as many of you know, we've got um, dear friends out in Zim. And uh, I'm sure you've seen in the headlines this week in terms of their elections and all that's happened. Uh, just still desperately needy to pray for that nation and for, for us not to forget our, our friends and connections that we've got there. So it's so easy just to go off in our own worlds, isn't it? And to, but to remember, remember dear, dear people. I wanted to sort of end today really with a sense of um, not asking you, but if you're in a place right now where it feels like you've got the obstacle of Jericho, it's a, there's a situation, there's a thing, there's a whatever, maybe a health thing, it may be a financial thing, maybe a relational thing, maybe a job thing, maybe a family thing, where just, oh God, I just need to see some breakthrough in this area of my life and I'm not quite sure how it's going to pan out. 
I just felt as we heard stories of people praying and praising, faith, perseverance, actually it would stir us in our own lives to believe, okay, God, we need to get, we need to get back on this again. And I just wanted just in the quietness of these last couple of minutes, perhaps even just bow, bow your heads if you would, please. Um, we're going to close after this. Um, and I'm, just, I'm keeping just my eyes closed. I'm just before, we're before God here. We're just saying to him, even, just even if you want to acknowledge it just by opening your hands before him, just as a, a sign of saying, Lord, I can't do it without you. I can't do it without you. Just in this moment, Lord, as we sit here before you, we thank you for your gracious love towards us. I thank you. Lane reminded us right at the beginning of our time here this morning. It's your unbounding love towards your people. Lord, you love us. You're for us. But I pray for Jericho's right across this room now. We pray for breakthroughs. We pray, Lord, where you have spoken and perhaps answers are still to come. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us in prayer. I pray you would be um, opening our hearts to you, whether we're praying just in the quietness of our own homes or driving the car, wherever we may be. Lord, we pray that we would be a praying people that would hear you speak. Lord, I pray for worshipping moments in difficult situations. Pray, Lord, we be a people of worship, of love and delight in you, even in our difficult circumstances. Lord, if our hearts are cold to you in worship, Lord, I pray you even now would turn us back to you. Lord, we repent where we have put you on the back burner. Lord, we're sorry for not trusting you. God, we come to you, the gracious God, the one who doesn't judge us, but loves us and is for us. Lord, make us a people full of praise. Father, I pray for faith to come. Faith to believe the impossible. Faith to take steps that seem so illogical or out of perhaps even common sense sometimes but father to be a faithful people to trust you when when we have walls in front of us that seem impenetrable faith to believe you for what we can't do ourselves faith to trust you in the small steps as well as the big ones faith to open our hearts to a God who knows best. And Lord, we pray that we would be a persevering people. Lord, so many of these stories that we see through Old and New Testament, we see stories of a people who kept pressing in, kept pressing in, persevering through. Some setbacks, some steps to the left, some to the right. But Lord, a people that persevered. I pray we would be a persevering people. I pray as we get to the end of our lives and we've run our race, 
Lord, we look back and know that we've completed the task that you gave to us. Lord, let that be the testimony of every person in this room. God, would you give us perseverance to battle on, to keep going, to not give up. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for taking part. Thank you for being willing to share your stories. Hopefully for all of us, we've been encouraged by